My name is Allison, and it was the year 2023 before I watched my first full episode of Seinfeld. My name is Dave. I've seen every episode of Seinfeld multiple times, and I've based my entire personality around the show. My name is Josh, and I always thought that Seinfeld would be the key to my popularity, which is why I used to commonly wear a shirt with George shirtless on it. So welcome to What's the Deal with Seinfeld. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) Allison, I'm just glad you didn't ask whether you said it okay. I was also told to sound more authoritative when I spoke, so I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. That goes against your entire personality, it does, but yes. sure. Um, I'm just fighting every instinct I have. So I'll be watching Seinfeld for the first time and then discussing it with two Seinfeld experts and super fans. Yes, hi. <laughs> Allison, how was your week? Well, um, my daughter has an ear infection, so it's been better. I'm glad you're starting the podcast on a high note. All right. Allison's kids are sick. Josh, how's your week going? Well, uh, before you got on, I was telling Allison, there's my first day back at school is today. We have no AC in our office. And my new office mate brought in a large tortoise and lizard to hang out in our office for the year. That's really strange. What? It's, you mean by office mate, you mean your principal? My new assistant principal, yep. Are these pets from home that he just feels like would be good in the school? Yep. Tupac the tortoise. Is it a, ther- a therapy lizard? Uh, I'm going to need therapy, I think, from spending the next year with this lizard. But uh, I don't think it provides any certain mental wellness. Hmm. What kind of like habitat does the... Like, is it an aquarium? It's not an aquarium. I wouldn't even really call it, I guess a terrarium would be the appropriate term. I didn't look that closely. I was just trying to get to the power strip behind where he put the case today because I couldn't even <laughs> plug in my computer all day. I, I was just stuck. And I, I came back from a vacation to Kelowna, Williamsburg, guys. You know, the kids really took to 18th century life. It was, they gave them these uh, wooden muskets and they marched around and I tried to stir up a lot of anti-British sentiment. It was nice. It was, it was good. Were they grooming them to become militiamen? Yeah, I think that was the general vibe. Honestly, most of most of my time I, I spend, which I do in almost every setting, is Googling how much other people make. So I just was like so curious what one of these apprentices in Clonoa Williamsburg makes and how if it's worth it to like wake up in the morning and put on wool pantaloons and be like an apprentice cabinet maker for nine hours a day in a hundred degree heat. And uh, it's $16 an hour is what I Googled on on Indeed. That's a lot, a lot less than I would have expected, I guess. There, have any of you been to Colonial Williamsburg? I would rather sit in my office with tortoise feces for days than go to Colonial Williamsburg. <laughs> wow. And you're like a history guy. Yeah. But I don't, I don't need to see it live. I read about it. Anyway. Let's get back on track. Also. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think all of that can be cut out, but it's just me. People need to learn about it. Have, keep this in. This is staying in. <laughs> I'm just saying, all right, sorry. Well, maybe I'm just, I haven't had as interesting a week as either of you. Right. You're you're competing Colonial Williamsburg and Lizards with an ear infection. Yeah. I don't really want anyone or need anyone to know that. I did take my kids to the zoo. And I will tell you this, actually, because you'll appreciate it, that my favorite thing is like, she saw a ton of stuff, was like having so much fun. They like were so excited to do all the different like the activities. We were at this great zoo. And like if you ask her about it, all she'll tell you is, we didn't see any penguins. <laughs> like, that's 
That's her one takeaway. See that? See now that's a story we can cut. <laughs> How does it feel? How does it feel to every time you talk, someone says we should cut that? We should probably it just cut just that. It just feels long. Doesn't feel good, does it? I'm gonna leave that in, Allison. But go ahead. Why don't we do this day in Seinfeld? <laughs> Well, May 31st, 1990 is when this episode aired. The most popular shows at the time were Cheers and 60 Minutes, which is interesting to me. Um, The weekend movies were Back to the Future Part 3. And the top movie at the time, still reigning in the box office, was Pretty Woman, which I thought was funny because... That is one of the few movies I know that Jason Alexander is in. And I didn't realize he did that. Like, he must have done that in between when the pilot aired and then when this episode aired. And he's a real creep in that movie. I had recently watched Pretty Woman for the first time. Didn't realize at the time that Jason Alexander was in it. He's really despicable in that movie. Like, really bad guy. Was he a good guy in Dunstan Checks In? I think he was. He a, was yeah. That's the only other movie I can think he was in. He, well, he was the dad, right? Who starts off not wanting Dunstan, but then over time learns to love Dunstan. Yeah, but being a <laughs> being a father who doesn't want an orangutan in his hotel isn't like doesn't make him a bad guy. I don't think. Well, in that movie, he was framed as a villain. I think, <laughs> I think that's a responsible adult. <laughs> if he's painted as a bad guy, then it's just bad morals from the movie. <laughs> Have either of you seen Back to the Future Three? No. no, I've never seen any of no, the additional Back to the Futures. I've seen the original. The th- I saw the second one, but the third one was like the old. They were stuck in the old west. I uh, nothing appeals to me about the old west. I don't know why. It's just like hot. I don't think you would have done well sandy. in the old west, Dave. I'll be honest. No, I don't like. I don't want to ride horses. I don't want to be in the heat. <laughs> I don't like all the violence of the old west. I don't like saloons. We'd have talked ourselves right into a shooting. <laughs> yeah. No. I. It's. I don't know. I just don't. That, those types of movies don't like Westerns don't appeal to me. Well, we're not manly. You have, you have to be really manly. Mm, yeah. It's not us. I guess that's true. Although, Allison, do you like Westerns? I like Westerns, you're not a man. but I, don't, I wouldn't want to live in the, you can use, the oh, Wild West. Uh-oh. I like She's been frozen. Like movies you guys froze. <gasps> Allison, you froze. It, it, it gave now. me like a warning. It was like network struggling. I was like, I don't know what to do about that. How close are you to your modem? Allison. I'm pretty close, but I, I mean, like I'm in, me- you should, I'm, <laughs> I'm straddling. <laughs> I don't want to lose connection for a second. It's literally, it's between my legs. I'm not joking. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm trying to record in the office, so I can't do that. But anyway, I like Westerns. I don't want to live in the wild west. So that was my distinction. All right. All right, guys. So do you want to talk about how why it took so long to air the second episode? Or should we just move along to what this episode was about? Does anyone want to tell that story? So basically, it did not get great ratings, the Seinfeld Chronicles. But the people who were into it were really into it and they at NBC and they wanted to keep it going. So the contract was going to run out and they were worried another network was going to pick it up. So what they did was there was a Bob Hope special that was going to go on over two nights to take up two hours of airtime. And they canceled the Bob Hope special and gave Seinfeld those four episodes. The title changed from to Seinfeld from the Seinfeld Chronicles because at the same time there was a first Bueller spinoff called the Marshall Chronicles on ABC, I want to say. And they didn't want them to get confused. I'm so glad you did this research, Josh, because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Happy to do it. All right. So let's move on to our yada yada pada. And the Netflix summary of this episode is after recently breaking up with Elaine, Jerry meets a woman at a party, 
but only learns where she works, leading him to stake out her office. Did you guys want to know who else was up for the role of Elaine? Yes. Let's hear it. Megan Mullally. No, no, wait, wait, let me guess, let me guess. <laughs> Megan Mullally. <laughs> there was one other very famous. Patricia Heaton, Patricia Heaton. And then there's one more. Ooh, uh, um. This one shocked me. Uh, Julia Roberts. No. No. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Ding, ding, ding. Rosie O'Donnell. Ding, what? congrats. How'd you know oh that? Oh my God. I, you know, I, I, I know some things. You know, people, people say I don't know. I, I like watching on YouTube, like other people's auditions mm -hmm. for role. Like I've seen Seth Rogen audition for Dwight a thousand times. I don't know why it interests me. I just like, it's the what if nature, I think, but. I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm so glad she got the part. Megan Mullally could have been a lot of fun, but very different, I feel like. Yeah. Well, I love Elaine. Like, I already like her a lot. I like just her way about her. I, I was... You like her spunk? Yeah. And I liked, like, well, we'll get to it later, but um, I think she was a great addition. So whoever made that call, I say kudos to them. So the... Episode starts with Jerry's stand-up, and he's talking about women, how adeptly they use checks, which I thought was very, like, that blew my mind. I can't even imagine being anywhere and pulling out a checkbook, but I guess that was a thing. The fact is, if it is a woman in front of you that's writing out the check, you will not be waiting long. I have noticed that women are very fast with checks, you know, because they write out so many checks. <laughs> the keys they can never find in their purse. They don't know where that is. I didn't get it. I mean, we, we were alive then. This was, this was what, 89? 90. Sorry. So we were three, but like, weren't credit cards and debit cards around? Why would anyone write a check in a supermarket? I don't understand. People use checks. Did that ever, you never had someone at Clemens use a check for you? That happened to me a couple of times. They don't have a debit card? If you have, they mean they have a checking account and debit cards existed at that time. So why not use a debit card? Old fashioned people. They want to see it. They want to write it down in their little book and... That's it. Let's start with how the episode actually starts, which is Jerry and Elaine at the video store. Another scene to me that really placed this at the time because video stores are obviously no longer a thing. Although I do miss them to some extent. And this scene was a little nostalgic for me. Josh and I based our entire Friday nights around walking to Blockbuster and picking out movies. Mm -hmm. We didn't have much, but we had those Friday nights. <laughs> it was an exciting thing when Blockbuster would get new movies too, and you'd like run in and try to be like get one that was there because if they ran out, then you couldn't watch it. It's funny, I'll watch kids play like Minecraft now and I'm like, look at those kids wasting their time where Josh and I would spend like an hour making up a point system for how we would vote on which movie we'd selected a blockbuster. And somehow that was a much better use of our time. We learned a lot about democracy. <laughs> well, the one thing that did, like I had to stop and I'll ask you this, were porno films like out like that? In no, nope. not in the Huntington Valley blockbuster. Yeah, I was yeah, I wish. sure I remember, and I thought that was weird that they would have been so out in the open with all the other films. They seemed to just be right next to them. Our, our local blockbuster did not have an adult section, I but the Hollywood video, which was originally in the Huntington Valley Shopping Center, had a back section with a curtain that you could go to, which is funny to me. Like, we all live in the neighborhood. 
I don't know what guys are going back there to rent pornos. Like their families are there. I don't know. It's like you're somehow like going in that back curtain's going to not let people in your neighborhood see that you're renting a porno. Because you are going to have to eventually come out from behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm having a hard time wrap my head around like renting a porno. It just seems like so much premeditation for masturbation. Doesn't it? <laughs> I always liked it spontaneous. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> you had to like, I'm going to get my, get in my car. I got to like drive there. I got to look at the inventory, see what's available, rent something, write down when I need to return it, drive back. Do you think they're shopping around or running in, grabbing the first one they get done and running out? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I bet it would be like when you would buy condoms at a supermarket where you go, you get one porno and then you get like Aladdin and Cinderella and you sort of sandwich it and hope that no one really sees it. <laughs> Why would you pick those two as the other sandwich? They're the kids the, yeah. at like family movies. Yeah, you're sandwiching it between family movies. It's a family movies, man. So no Cinderella, you. Aladdin, all dogs go to heaven. I just don't like that combination. All right. I thought it was kind of weird, too, that Elaine decided to bring it as a gift for her friend. Have you guys ever gifted a pornographic film to anyone? No. I agree, and I, but I'll say more about the when they go to the friend's birthday. I have, I have, some, I have a lot of say, thoughts. So I'll, I'll wait on that. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> well, so while they're at the store, Jerry and Elaine make this deal that Jerry will go with Elaine to... Pamela's birthday party, which sounds like it's just sort of a casual gathering. And then Jerry wants Elaine to go with him to a wedding. I thought this was an interesting deal and seemed like a much bigger ask of Elaine than of Jerry. We could work out a little deal here. What little deal? I will go to that. You go with me to the little family wedding I have on Saturday. A wedding? Have you lost it, man? <laughs> It's weird that the wedding seemingly was that weekend because his parents were already staying at his house and you can just add a plus one. Like it was weird that that hadn't been talked about or decided. Like you can't just add a plus one the day before the wedding. He either had a plus one or he didn't. Well, the wedding, it seemed like a little, eh. Like it didn't seem like they were going all out. You thought it was a a low key affair. You thought it was more of a luncheon? Yeah, it seemed like a luncheon type situation. All right. So let's move to the, is it a bar? A restaurant? I couldn't figure that out either. Okay. Is this just what... Like an Italian restaurant. Is this what bars looked like in 1990? It was very... It was very... Almost like an old-timey dining room. It was an odd choice. But we're at Pamela's birthday party, and Elaine has brought the video wrapped very nicely, and Jerry's going to meet someone there. I thought this was the craziest part of this episode to me. Jerry sits down... He talks to this woman. She says two lines to him. Two, like they, they exchange two sentences. And he, and his, we hear his inner monologue. How big a tip do you think it would take to get him to stop? I'm in for five. I'll supply the hat. Uh-oh, what do we have here? Why don't you relax and take your jacket off? Oh, I can't. Uh, I have a tendency to get chilly. <laughs> How masculine. Plus, I'm wearing short sleeves. I don't want to expose my tattoos. <laughs> She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. And I just thought he really jumped to that very quickly. And I guess I was wondering if you guys have ever, like, is there 
ever been a time where you've met someone and they've said two things to you and you thought, I am obsessed with this person? Every time a woman has talked to me. Yeah, that didn't shock me at all. In fact, I was just as smitten with her. I felt the exact same way as you, Allison. I thought that was such an overreaction by Cherry. Her, are you serious? Her joke wasn't even funny. Gosh, are you serious? Her joke wasn't even funny. Are you? It was also, it was kind of offensive to the piano player, Dave. So I'm surprised that you supported this woman. It was, it was just pitter patter. It was nothing. It was, it was, it was cute. It made me, it made me sort of like yearn for, I don't know, I, like flirting. I just, it was exciting. I was excited for them. I, I was immediately I mean, in love with her. Thought... I thought she was cute. I thought she was funny. I just like. Your motor must be getting a workout right now. That's true. I would agree. It's it was probably more the physical connection because she was very attractive, but it was just such a leap to me. Like I don't know, that conversation was like nothing, and he. I mean, the rest of this episode, he's in pursuit of her. So I just I was expecting more. I don't know. I thought she could have said. I don't know. It was like she was charming and seemed approachable. I I really I fell in love with her just as quickly. I would need a little more. So. I have a couple problems with this. Number one, I have a problem just in general with adults having birthday parties. I, I don't get it. I don't think we need to celebrate adult birthday parties. I think I think we should stop. And I think what makes it even weirder is that they got presents for another adult. I don't get presents for any other adult besides my wife. I think that's insane that there were birthday presents on the table like it was a kid's party. The whole situation made no sense. I mean, I think it's fine to, first of all, at the adult party thing, I mean, was she having like a formal party? She just had like a gathering. It was just a reason to get people together. I have no problem with that. I think well, that's then why nice. Would need a, but why would Elaine need a plus one for just uh, hanging out with a friend at the bar? Well, that, that's what was kind of surprising to me because I thought maybe it was more of a couple's thing and that was why she wanted to bring Jerry because she didn't want to be the outlier. So that was odd to me. Like I like Jerry repeating the woman's law firm that she worked at in his head over and over again. <laughs> Sagan Bennett Robbins Oppenheim and Tap. Sagan Bennett Robbins Oppenheim and Tap. I thought that was, I'm bad at remembering things. So I thought that was a nice little trick. That was smart. And how convenient that that is the only thing he has to go by for pursuing this woman later. Works out. All right. So. After they're at the bar, we see Jerry and Elaine in the cab leaving. This was, man, low-budget filming here. The cab scene was very funny. <laughs> like, they're so clearly in one of those things that just, like, bobs you up and down to make it look like you're moving. Did that stand out to anyone, anyone else? I'm only in it for the conversation. I don't even look at the cinematography. <laughs> All right. So this is where <laughs> Elaine is clearly miffed at Jerry. You could use a little work on your manners. Why? What did I do? Well, well, I just don't appreciate these little courtesy responses, like I'm selling you aluminum siding. I was listening. No, you couldn't wait to get back to your little conversation. Do you think she's angrier that he was flirting in front of her or angry that he wasn't listening? I hope it was for the not listening, because they're clearly just friends at this point. Well, that is the question. I think it's both. I think it's both. I think she was upset that he was flirting right in front of her. This Elaine had a lot of feelings compared to the Elaine that we meet, I feel like, as this as the show goes on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I thought it was funny that they they punctuated this scene with his stand-up about platonic relationships, which 
I did, of course, have to look up if Plato actually named the platonic relationship. And technically, someone else, he he had the idea, but it wasn't called that. And I guess what does it even mean to have the idea? Was he the first guy to have friends that were girls? No. Like women? But what does that, that just means that women didn't want to have sex with Plato. <laughs> I don't know what else it means. He was not talking about himself. He was talking about types of love. Like he had these idea of like these virtues and the there was like, the virtue of a relationship that's deeper than like sort of romantic or sexual desire. It just brought me back to when Harry met Sally and whether men and women can be friends. What's interesting to me about this episode is that I think it's a very different conversation to say if men and women can be friends, because I think 100% like men and women can be friends. I think whether you can be friends with your ex is different because I don't, I've never been able to do that. And I don't know how that would work because I think if you've never had any kind of attraction and that's just clear and that's not the nature of your relationship then that's fine but if there was ever that element then I don't know how you go and like be friends I I feel like I spent my whole life in the friend zone so it's hard to know we wrote a song about but we did write a song called friend zone but I guess the question is whether I would have dated them and sure, yeah, All but they, they wouldn't have dated me. <laughs> so have you ever have you ever been friends with a girl who you weren't trying to also hook up with? Yes. Yeah, you. <laughs> Besides me, I know you're not. Okay, so now we're back at Jerry's apartment. And this, I have a lot of questions. So does Jerry have a bedroom in his apartment? Yes. I was confused by that, too. Okay. So confused. And Jerry's, just to set up the scene, Jerry walks into his apartment and, like, his parents are in a bed in this living room. Like, his sofa bed. bed. And then he's talking about how he's going to sleep next door at Kramer's because his parents are in his bed. So he that's his apartment. He has the bathroom and that. No, no. He has a bedroom that made no sense at all. I don't understand it. get added later? No, because in the pilot episode, he had a bedroom and that was just a couch. It wasn't a bed. It was just a couch. Or was it? And we just didn't realize. Did you guys notice that the apartment changed from the pilot till this episode? And there's no more baseball bats, no more football bookends, no more Mets posters. It's very, it's much more mature. There's also a really sweet stereo system that I didn't notice. I will say that this did remind me of Mary Tyler Moore, which I don't know if you guys ever watched that, but for years, I loved that show. But I didn't understand that she slept on a sofa bed and her whole apartment, which we saw a lot in the show, was her apartment. Like she had a bathroom and a closet that she would go into a lot and I always thought that was her bedroom but it wasn't she slept on a sofa bed it was like a studio it seems weird that anyone would choose to sleep on a sofa bed I guess if you have a studio apartment and you have friends over and you just want it to be the couch and then at night you pull it out but as someone who has a bad back I, I it, it seems really bad for your back to sleep on a sofa bed every night <laughs> yes which is another Seinfeld episode and we'll get to that later on <laughs> well anyway I loved this conversation with Jerry's parents and they're talking about why it didn't work out with Elaine, which I don't think it was really clear to me. Um, and I don't know if we ever get clarification on that, but Jerry's excuses were kind of weird and lame and evasive. Super weird. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. He said it was like physical chemistry. I mean, I don't know what that means exactly. She's beautiful. If anything, he's sort of the less desirable one. I don't, 
I don't know what he means by physical chemistry. Do you guys, Josh, do you understand that? I think he was trying to say things that he couldn't actually say in front of his mother and father. When he's talking about physical chemistry. <laughs> like the sex just wasn't good for him. Yes. Is that what you're saying? That's what I think he was saying. I think he was uncomfortable with the way that part of the relationship was going. And I, and I guess I have a problem with that because they honestly seem perfect for each other. They do. In every way. Like the whole, the whole series, I felt like I just want them to be together because I feel like they're both searching for something that's there the whole time. And it's also, it was sort of, Josh, did you find it weird that the dad was different? Yeah. Because they I, recast him later? Not only was he a different person, he had much more different personality in this one, I thought. I'm glad they recast him. I like the other dad. Yeah. Other dad's great. I can't wait to meet this other dad. I won't get attached to this guy. You guys are giving away a lot of, th- a lot of stuff for me. And also, I see Jerry's awkwardness in talking about this with his parents, but... I was surprised that it was Jerry's dad who's the one who suggests the stakeout idea. And I, I'm just curious, do you think this is a good idea? Well, wait, go back and just explain for our listeners here. Did we did we say that Jerry wants the number of the woman who he met at the birthday party oh, and can't ask Elaine because they feel he feels a little awkward about it. So he needs to figure out some way to run into this woman. And then Jerry's dad suggests that he stakes out the place where she works because he remembers the name of the law firm. And I don't think it's weird. I think it's, I like the idea of a planned run-in at a place of work. This is absolutely something that Dave and I would do. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. When I was watching it, I was like, we've probably done this and I'm just can't remember the time we did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's creepy, don't you, Allison? I mean, I, it's weird i guess again this is maybe just a different time but even thinking about getting the number like another way is kind of weird like i feel like you give someone the option like in today's world like if you were if someone like was a friend of a friend and wanted your number your friend would probably say to you hey like this person wants your number is it okay if i give it to them but he can't do that he can't ask elaine he's too uncomfortable doing it what other option did he have he had no other choice well, he didn't have an elaine option. would have never told him but he also only talked to this woman for two minutes and is like so obsessed with her. And we both fell in love and I don't blame him. And I would have slept overnight at that office building. <laughs> I would have hung out for an hour or two. I, yeah, I don't know. I just like that kind of thing seems sweet because she was like also into him. So it's like if you're pursued by someone you like, then that's nice. If you're pursued by someone you don't like, it's creepy and uncomfortable. But anyway, he decides this is a great idea, and the next time we see him, he is at a stakeout with George, who just appeared suddenly in this episode. I was waiting to see where he would come in. So you two would do this. Yeah, you two would do this together. You wouldn't send one of you without the other. There'd be no reason to be waiting around a lobby by myself. That (laughs) would be creepy. No, I I love the idea of a come with guy. If I was doing this, I would definitely bring Josh. Yeah. I think you need you need another person there. <laughs> it also it makes you look much more normal because you can have some pitter patter with the other person, even if the the new friend doesn't click right away. All right. Well, I did I have to say I really sympathize with George in this conversation when he says because they're trying to work out an excuse why they're there so it's not weird that they're just randomly at this woman's building when they run into her by accident and george wants to set it up that he works there and he's an architect and jerry just shoots that down really quick like 
he doesn't look like an architect. And I just really felt for him because I feel like that's happened to me before where like I get an idea to like, you know, say like I'm going to be something and someone's like, no, you couldn't do that. I'm like, not even a fake version of that. That's so mean. That's just the ultimate put down, I think. Who's who's crushed your dreams like this, Allison? I feel like I said like I want to be like a drummer in a rock band and someone's like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, not even a fake one. <laughs> I'm not saying a real one. Read like that. It seems like you have some things to work through. <laughs> oh, I have some things to work through. Your dream is to be a drummer in a fake rock band. <laughs> but yeah, what are you talking about? You don't even play the drums. I don't, but why can't I tell someone that I am? Is that not okay? Well, I think George should be able to tell someone he's an architect. And he sure does. <laughs> I'm a... Uh... I'm an architect. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, what do you design? Uh, railroads. Uh. I thought engineers do that. They can. That was very funny, that whole scene. This is our first fake character, too, I think, also, right? In this scene. Are there more fake characters? Oh, yeah. Art Vandalay, first fake character. This is like a running thing, Allison. George constantly is using Art Vandalay as his alias. Yeah, Art Vandalay. Do you guys have any aliases you've ever used? Yes, we... Uh... Yep, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I played the role of Dimitri North. Dimitri North? Yeah, Josh and I went to a, a friend of a friend's party in Baltimore, and we didn't know anyone there. So we just made up aliases, and we made up what we did for work, and we just stuck in character all night. And we were the life of the party. Everyone loved us. We were hits. I don't know what that says about our real personalities. <laughs> Do you remember what mine was, Josh? You were Billy Orr. Billy Orr. O-H-R. Yes. You always make <laughs> yeah. sure to spell it for people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one to spell. So Jerry does run into, we learn her name is Vanessa from the party. And they again have flirty banter right away pick up right where they left off in that two second conversation and it seems to have worked he met this girl again and the whole plan was a success i did love when uh george says i'm an architect and jerry's looking at him and then she asks one very simple question that you would of an architect to be nice like what do you design and he goes it's railroad which was very funny <laughs> I like that answer. You should have some knowledge of your profession, your fake profession. He clearly didn't think that through. Yeah, so back at Jerry's apartment, he's playing Scrabble with his mom, which I thought was very nice. And this was the first time we see Kramer in this episode, which um, he seemed very different to me in this episode. Did they did they dial him back a little bit? He was, he was yeah. eating a salad. That's true. I think he's just like a little less out there. Yeah, when we first meet him, he's looking for meat. You know, he's holding out the bread. And this one, he's like got a nice salad in his hand, in the Tupperware. He's an omnivore, <laughs> Allison. Is that what's getting in? No, well, he went from a carnivore to a herbivore in two episodes. Do we need a running segment on what Kramer eats? <laughs> I just noticed yeah, I think it. you're focusing on the wrong things here. So can we find out from a phone message that Elaine knows about the meetup the art vandalay story, the ruse, the stakeout, everything. So Jerry's now very uncomfortable and knows he's going to have to have, like, he knows he has to have a discussion now with Elaine about what it means for their relationship. 
knowing you have to have the discussion is so much worse than the actual discussion. <laughs> this doesn't seem as specifically related, but I feel that way when, like, have you ever been in a meeting and they just want you to go around and introduce yourself and you have to say, like, two lines about who you are and what you do? The moments leading up to them getting to me feel like torture. Like, I'm so nervous. I feel like I'm going to sound weird or say something stupid. And then it's nothing. You know, it happens and it's over in a second. But the build up to it is terrible. I feel like all through college, especially, you would have to say like your name and one fun fact. What was your fun fact? You guys have one? You guys know what I'm talking about? I didn't have to do it in college. I don't remember doing that. No. I, oh, I feel I, like a lot of classes I had that. No. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> I may I majored in icebreaking though, so that could be one. <laughs> what was your fun fact? That I have a rare skin disease. And then I would show people my elbow skin and how it stretches. I feel like it was such an easy like way in. Probably why I was always in the friend zone with everyone. Now I'm starting to connect the dots. I do remember in a parenting class that Matt and I went to that they asked us to go around and share something like fun about ourselves. I said when I was born that I, they had to break my collarbone. And that's a true story. But like everyone else just said like where they were from. Everyone was going around being like, Oh, like I'm Tim, I'm from South Philadelphia. And I was like, I was one of the first people to go and I shared this very weird random detail about my birth that felt relevant because I was super pregnant and like we were all there about parenting. I don't know, but I remember. I don't see how any of those things are considered fun, whether you're where you're from or breaking your collarbone when you were born. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just like a random birth detail <laughs> that I thought was interesting. I don't know. I wonder how long did it take your collarbone to heal? Is that why you're not like really much of an athlete? <laughs> First of all, Dave, I am more of an athlete than I think you give me credit for. But no, it was like a week. I think that's probably a, a common theme, a common theme of people not giving you credit for that's things. True. You were an amazing, a, a world-class athlete and an incredible drummer. <laughs> and what else? Allison? Any fake rock band would be happy to have you. <laughs> All right, all right, we got to we got to keep moving along. So the next day, they're all getting ready for the wedding, and he, Elaine walks in, and he knows he's going to have this conversation with her. So the two of them have this very kind of it's it's sweet, but it's also very vague conversation that is probably like you know I don't think that they really said anything other than they just were kind of reinforcing that they agreed to be friends. I thought it was a nice conversation. I thought they said what needed to be said and they were ready to move past it. It seemed like a nice, and it actually troubled me because Seinfeld was built on non-closure and this episode felt like they like really resolved a conflict. And I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> this was the most they've ever talked about feelings in any episode. The fact bomb. that they like went back and forth and sort of discussed the parameters of their relationship, that's never going to happen again. That's very disappointing to hear because I really like, I thought this was just such a sweet scene between the two of them and very funny. And this little moment with Elaine that was so funny to me when she's telling him about this guy that she's now dating. And she's like, he's pretty good looking. I don't know. I love him. And he happens to be pretty good looking. All right, sir. <laughs> Look at I don't know. I love I loved how she said that. I thought it was very cute. So we end the episode with Jerry's stand up, where he's talking about how it's hard to be friends with your ex, and he compares it to two magicians who know all each other's tricks. 
especially if you've had a relationship with someone, and you try and become friends afterwards. It's very difficult, isn't this? It's hard because you know each other so well, you know? You know all each other's tricks. It's like two magicians trying to entertain each other. You know, and then one goes, look, a rabbit. The other one goes, so? And I, get, like, I thought this was very funny, but it is, honestly, I don't think you can be friends with an ex. I'm just going to say that again. I don't see how that works. I thought the magician trick thing, like knowing all each other's moves, I sort of thought that related to marriage as well. I think like I have probably seven good stories and Ashley's heard them all like a hundred times. I mean, how many, how many things can I say? I, I, there's not that much that's happened. So it's, I feel like when you go to dinner parties or do like, two kids you know, these together, seem like, there's nothing that's happened in your life. What does that mean? No, but I mean, if you go to like a, if you go to like a dinner party and you're meeting new people and I'm telling like a funny story from my childhood, Ashley's probably heard it all. And she knows how I'm going to tell it. And she knows where the jokes are. This is part of being married. I don't know. There's no like surprises, really. Well, it's interesting that you associate being friends with an ex to being married. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> no, no, not be well. The idea of like just knowing all each other's moves. In my mind, it's not a bad thing to know all of each other's moves. There's like a comfort in that. And that's yeah. a good point. You can only have so many moves. You're not going to get a lot of new moves. No, I have like two moves. I'm losing moves. And you apparently have only a couple <laughs> stories from childhood that are important. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we're gonna go on to that's gold jerry gold um pretty good where <laughs> that was good thank you do you guys want to try to guess what was my biggest laugh of this episode i had one i think it was when they were jerry was trying to describe elaine to his parents at the beginning his mom goes oh she's the one who brought those cherry candies and the dad made kind of like a disgusted face and went oh her. <laughs> that was funny, but no, that was not my biggest laugh. All right, what about the when all the family's over before the wedding at Jerry's apartment and the cousin comes in and tells Jerry to come down where she works? That's a sitcom. And Jerry says, You must have quite a time down there. Is that is that it? Because <laughs> so, you you said that your mom often says that things should be a sitcom. There were two lines in this episode that did remind me of my mom. That was one of them. And then there was that one in the beginning, they were at the video store talking about one movie and Jerry's talking about it. And they come back to earth because she's got to have a lo mein and she loves the Chinese food. That was my mom's obsessed with lo mein. I thought that was very funny. But no, actually, my favorite line in the whole episode is when Jerry and Elaine are in the cab and he's like, I do remember what you were talking about, you know, the dream and you had wooden teeth and she's like no you had wooden teeth you had wooden teeth no you you were talking about the um the the dream you had uh -huh. where you were um you you had wooden teeth no no you had wooden teeth you had wooden teeth i didn't have wooden teeth you did all right so i had wooden teeth so what so so nothing nothing i don't know the frantic way she said that was like so funny to me and also just like this is where I thought she was mostly mad because he wasn't listening because I know that energy of like, I know you weren't listening. I knew it. <laughs> I like that. See, now we're going to have, I'm trying to pinpoint how we're going to guess your biggest laugh. And it seems that it's not the substance of the joke or the punchline. It's just the delivery. So this is going to start narrowing down, right? We got to remember for the next episode yeah. that it, it's just the delivery. The words are almost meaningless to Allison. <laughs> That's true. But this is what we're calling the teacher report because 
Dave and Josh are both teachers, and they are going to give a grade to this episode. I'll go first then. Um, I thought this was a solid B episode. It was nice to introduce Elaine. I thought that they did a good job telling that story. George and Kramer both kind of felt forced in it. I would have liked them to have an actual reason to exist. And it ended with a resolution, which I think goes against the fundamentals of Seinfeld. So I have to give it a B. (laughs) And I gave it a C. But I gave it a C. And I'm also comparing it to other Seinfeld episodes. So maybe it's on a scale. I still laughed a lot in the episode. But I thought this, again, similar to the pilot episode, this only had one storyline. The later episodes are much more complex. And they'll weave together multiple storylines. And then they all relate at the end. This is like very simplified and there just wasn't enough George for me. And I, I needed more George. I, I did like the introduction of Elaine and I love her so much, but I'll, I'll say it's a C. Wow. I'm almost afraid because I loved this episode. Like mostly in comparison to the pilot, like I thought this was so much better and I was really, I really loved so much about this episode. So you're scaring me that it's not like others. um, No, you should be optimistic. We gave it not great grades, which means that it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's very exciting. So we're going to end our show as we are going to do every week with a what's the deal with. And I'm going to say, and this is not going to roll off the tongue nicely, but what is the deal with self-checkouts not being compatible with reusable bags? I don't know if you guys have this problem, but we have plastic bag bans in our town and you know most major cities have them now and so i'm like a responsible person i bring my reusable bag to the self-checkout there's nowhere to put it because the weight messes with the scale which is how it knows so i can never do it without having to call someone over and i always get this like really annoyed teenager who's like oh this like old lady can't use the self-checkout but do they like how are they supposed to work? Where can you put your bag that doesn't get mad at you and start beeping? You know, Allison, I've figured this out. What you need to do is put your bags in the cart. And as you t- scan things, put them in the bag that's in the cart. No, then it, then it says it's not on the scale. Well, they'll hit the skip bagging. The person, the teenager will have to do it one time and then they'll be done having to do it. Well, they're, <laughs> they're done once they let me put my bag down and zero out the scale. But like, I feel like they just, it's so crazy to me that like the self-checkout is like dominating. So like we don't even have cashiers sometimes at some of the grocery stores near us. Like all the lines are self-checkout. So it's just very frustrating to me. I'm always calling the people. Have you ever left a line because the waiting anxiety made you feel so bad you just had to leave? Just like put the milk down and just walked out of the store. Yeah, I've done that. I've done that. Don't, it just makes me so anxious. Like I don't know where these people are. No one, no one works at the store. (laughs) It's true. That's why I'm saying, like, sometimes you don't even have the option to use a checkout person. You should do Instacart, Allison. <laughs> yeah. I've heard good things. That would solve all your problems. I've never done it. No free ads, though, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was thinking about sponsorships. I would love to be a me under sponsor, if, if anything. <laughs> I would love to do a me under live read. Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you guys for talking to me about this episode. And thanks for listening along. And We hope you'll join us next week. We're going to talk about episode three, The Robbery. We'll see you next week, folks. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.